If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nashville is the home of Deb Digital. Always in the studio with me at the at the table is my good friend Tyler Burnett. Tyler's come with a sprinter ready to go today. He's happy. I'm happy. Less traffic, mobile office. <laughs> to the left, we call him the LinkedIn Whisperer, the calming force to our show. He's got a shirt on today. It seems like you've had that on before, but it's the 2020 yes. Bless Your Heart. Second time in history of the show <laughs> I've worn a shirt, a redo. Yeah, John Byers. And then uh, here at the table with us today is our good friend Peter Kloon. Peter is the CEO of the, the Lockton of Lockton Incorporated and, and Lockton Insurance, and, and we're certainly glad that you're with us today. And and here we had a great conversation learning about uh, your path uh, to where you uh, now sit in, in the leadership spot. You know, one of the things that I think that's powerful that you talked about and, and certainly is reflective of, of a GOAT is you talked about Jack Lockton and you talked about potential and the path and the way. And that certainly set the stage for our, for our discussion today. Goats, you know, they do two things. Number one, uh, they're recognized in sports for their greatness. Uh, but in business, they're recognized for their unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy, creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And, and certainly you have challenges and opportunity within the seat that you sit in in Lockton. You know, I, I'd like to set the stage with this is you talk about being a private company and how important that is. And what I wrote down on my notes um, as we wrapped up the first part of this conversation was which, that... Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to part one, pause this, go back and listen. Yeah. Tell your friends, tell your lovers, wherever you listen to podcasts, yeah. YouTube, it's everywhere around the planet. So yeah. go back and listen. But, but the private, to me, the thing that makes the private so different is, is the caring and the belonging. And what I heard in your stories about developing into the leader that you are today is that the two pieces are how you pe- how you make people feel in terms of them caring and them belonging. I want to I want to say something to you, and then I want to get your feedback from it to set the stage for this. I recently was speaking to another coach, and she said something powerful to me. She said that our brains are constantly scanning for two things. Our brains are constantly scanning for First, where we go to feel love and appreciation and respect. And then second, to a place where we can continue to grow. And your people constantly are scanning for those kinds of opportunities. I'd like to know what you think about that, and is that something that you think is important as a leader? And that's where we'll dive in today. Sure. You know, it's funny, sometimes when we're celebrating growth, or someone's like, we need to grow. It can at times like, gosh, is all people care about is the numbers. And for me, it, it's not the numbers. That growth 
is what creates the opportunities. It, when you're growing, when you're growing your firm, you're going to need more people. You're not waiting for like the person in front of you to retire, you know, or, or take a job elsewhere. Mm. We're growing. We're going to need more leaders. We're going to need more people. So the, the, the second piece of that about growth, the growth and the revenue creates these opportunities, which I do believe is a really, really important part of all of our journeys that you want to be growing. You want to be working on more complicated deals, harder problems, you know, sharpening your soul as you grow forward. So I think that's a really big one. It's like the opposite of, of Groundhog Day yeah. is this, this challenge every day. And then I think the, the, the love or the care, it's funny that, you know, Jack made it. I always say that Jack had this figured out all along. And the more I've gone back and studied, well, he was a producer. So he was getting and keeping clients from day one. But about 10 years in, he did stop and say, it's not going as fast as or as well as I hoped. And he stepped back and said, okay, what, what do we need to change? Hmm. And he didn't change client focus. He had that already. He, he really changed caring culture that he realized that if people stayed, if people really felt cared for, like then they really, then they'd want to go grow. They'd want to go take care of the client. And so I think that piece on the caring culture um, on the on the place where people really want to feel a part of something special. It's to me why you have the great resignation right now. Mm-hmm. To me right now, people are leaving firms, not because, you know, there's no growth. The economy's grown great the last couple of years. They're growing because there's no connection. They feel like a number. They don't, these companies, you know, I'm recruiting people and, you know, right at the close of, of saying, well, you know, what are you going to do when you're CEO and people come back and try and get you to stay? And they're like, I'm going to tell them it's nice to meet you. I haven't even met them. And you're realizing these, these, these firms have forgotten mm. about what's most important. And, and by the way, they forgot about who makes it happen. Right. It's people. And if they don't feel cared for and they don't feel loved and they don't feel appreciated right now, there's tons of choice in the market. They're going to go elsewhere. Well, and that's really this whole topic around culture, right? Which is one of the hottest topics in show business these days, right? I mean, you read, you can open any major platform, read about culture, the importance of it. And I think that's really what you're talking about. One of the things that I've heard you say before is it's not hard to grow and to scale. It is hard to hold on to your beliefs over that growth. And that's one of the things that I think if, as we, as I go back and we'll listen to you share about Jack and you've even brought it up here, some of the things that still happen today are what has been happening here since the onset of Lockton. For example, nobody calls Lockton today and goes straight to voicemail. Someone will always, 100% of the time, answer the phone. That was important 60 years ago. And it's just as important today. And so maybe you can talk about whether it's that and or a few of those other things that have just remained consistent and the importance of holding on to those beliefs to support everything that you just shared. What I'm thinking right now is the the conversations we've had do common things in uncommon ways and you'll demand attention of the world. 
And I think so many of the common things is what people aren't doing. The CEO, the people don't know the CEO. They're not having intentional conversations. Like they're not answering the phone. They're not following up. You know, they're taking three weeks to get somebody a quote back because they were busy. Mm-hmm. I tried to make a purchase the other day, fifteen grand from somebody, and I've been waiting on him to to get me the quote right for weeks and weeks. Then I say, hey, can you ship it tomorrow? Oh, man, I, you know, I got this court thing. Nobody cares, man. Just service the customer, yeah. right? And I love what you said earlier. We don't do all these reports so we can service the customer. That's a common thing. You should service your customer. There's nothing special about that. But I, it brings me to the point that we talk about all the time, do common things in uncommon ways. And that's what it sounds like a lot of what you do at Lockton mm-hmm. is that. Yeah, no, you're, I think you both make great points there. And again, to me, it does, it does at times seem really basic when I'm talking about it. Yeah. If we said, what do we need to do to be healthy? And, and you said, well, you need, you need to sleep and you, you should exercise and, you know, there's nutrition and you, you, know, you have spiritual and meditation and there's, you know, physicals. I mean, there's like a list of 30 things and we don't all do them right every single day. And there's always, you know, there's always tweaks, but, but you know what it is. And when someone reads through that, yeah. and I think culture is the same way, mm-hmm. like treating people like you treat your family and friends. And, you know, one of the things Jack always said, it's a deal, a deal. Like if we said something like, what was the intent of the deal? We're not going to change it. And, and, empowering people like you know as, as you have the, the just the social issues and all the things that are happening in the world right now i think the reason lockton's been fine through all of this is not that we're perfect is that we just try and be authentic we should treat everybody fairly we should be trying to give everybody the best chance we should make everyone feel included not because we think it's a new initiative just because it's right and i would and imagine that you get pressed you locked in, we leadership gets pressed often. Hey, like you're a $3 billion firm. You don't really need to be answering the phone every time somebody calls or fill in the blank, right? Like, um, uh, does every, does one client even matter? Right. And I mean, are you getting pressed for that often? Well, I just think you're regularly here with now that you're a billion dollars, you're going to have to do things different. Mm. Now that you're, you know, a global firm, you're going to have to do things different. Now that you have this many people, now that you've done this and it's almost, you know, it's almost like fool's gold. (laughs) Go back to staying private, right? Like the shiny, Oh, you guys, you know how much money the family could get if they sold. Mm -hmm. Well, if their currency was money, they would sell. I love that. Multiples are at record levels. If it really was the game was to try and get money. 12X. They would sell. Mm-hmm. And it's a growing piece. There's tons of uncertainty in the future. But to be able to hear this family talk about, you know, there's a lot of people that left these other firms that were publicly traded and didn't like how they were treated and didn't like the focus on the client. And they came here to build something different would just seem kind of hypocritical if we got a bunch of cash and now they're back to where they started. And money's just a, the small piece of what they're really trying. It's not their why, right? Oh, I, I love think that. If that's currency what, was the was if oh, money was the currency, we'd have sold a long time. I, ago. I love. I mean, me and Colby. Colby works with me 
you know, at least once a week or so. And one of the things that after us working together that we determined for me in my life, what I want, I want to enjoy what I do, who I do it with and who I do it for. And that reminds me so much kind of of your culture at, at Lockton. I just, I love it. You know, it's not, it's not, a, do you got to make money? Absolutely. You know, that's a tiny piece of it. But if you do all those other culture things right, not only will you enjoy it, but the customer will enjoy it and money will come with that. I want to share a story that kind of puts some skin on all of that you're saying, because none of this really matters if it's not lived out. And I will sure. tell you one of my favorite moments within Lockton happens to be with you. And this is not like, you know, a smoky smoke and mirrors kind of thing. But a year ago, I had one of the questions that I like to ask clients as we get near, call it the finish line, if you will, and doing some work with them is, Hey, look, and I asked this of, of a, who is now a client. I said, Hey, Greg, like, let's pretend in two weeks, you call me and you say, John, you're the greatest guy in the world. And maybe he was right. Um, but we're going to hire somebody else. Not that you would owe me anything, but what might you tell me would be the reason that you went with another firm? And Greg said, I would, and now keep in mind, they are a publicly traded entity, 1,800 employees. He said, I, I would say because Lockton is too big for us. And I said, Craig, like, had you had, if you asked me to, to write down a hundred things, I wouldn't have put that on there. And I remember shortly after that conversation, you and I spoke and I told you and you snickered and you, you said, what's his cell phone number? I'll call him. And it was like, wait, what? Like all these things that you talk about and we say is our culture, like that's when it comes true. Like that was the moment that was that sliding door moment where either belief and trust in what we preach as a firm, as a culture, either came true or it didn't. And that was a, that was a moment that marked me, and this has been a client ever since then. Uh, and so I want to thank you for that and let you know that, that that whole thing, like does one client matter? Yeah, it did matter. It mattered to them. It mattered to me. It mattered to, to the locked-in universe, certainly locked-in Nashville. So thank you for that. Sure. You know, when I, when I, when I spent all this time studying Jack and just trying to figure out, you know, some firms lose their founder and, and the company actually goes the other way, especially if that founder was an entrepreneurial frontline charging person, when that founder leaves, a lot of times the companies change. And I think there's a couple things that happen. First of all, like if, if I got cancer, I got sick right now. And I started, had this, gosh, I, had the, I wish I had been a different person. And I start really saying things different and changing. I don't think people are kind of like, well, he got sick. And now all of a sudden he's this good guy. But it, it would seem a little not authentic. Mm. The beauty of Jack was, like I said, he's in the garage in 86 saying we're never going public. Before anyone would ever even have the opportunity. But when he got cancer, you know, in 99, they gave him six months to two years to live and he ends up living, you know, four to five years. Hmm. He did have, he did know, right. That he was, you know, probably not going to be there for another 20 years. And so it gave him time to really not say something new, but really repeat and teach 
in a way that maybe you wouldn't have if you didn't have cancer. Now he already was, but you know, one of my favorite stories is in, in 1999, he's up in front of the group and he, I mean, he makes the point like eight times about staying private. I know there's rumors going around. If there's anybody that heard this rumor, it was false. You know, the next point is like, I mean, just so you know, if someone called, we would only tell them, we actually like competing with you. We don't want to be bought by you. We think we'll win. It's done. Hmm. Listen, we've already planned succession. We're never going, but he makes it so many times. I'm almost reading it like, okay, we got it. And I'm reading this script. And one of the people that work with Jack says, Peter, look at that video. And when I was looking at the video, you see in the front row is his three sons. And you realize he's not talking to a thousand people. He's talking to his three sons that are going to be the future shareholders of the firm. Mm. And so there is this way that the reason it's easy, I believe, for Lockton to be really clear on our values and beliefs was not only was Jack clear forever in those last years, he left no uncertainty on does a caring culture matter? Yeah. And so, listen, we all foul, we all make mistakes, but it's different than saying, Hey, John, I don't think you should talk to that associate that way. Cause I'm Peter, the boss versus hey, John, I understand you know, there's a tough outcome on the account, but how do we handle this with the caring culture? How do, how do we, how do we actually give good feedback so we have a better outcome? And so he really gave these, he really gave these, this foundation that's really, remember it took Lockton, I joined, it was 400 million. We do 600 million this year. And so it really put Lockton in this position where we're actually scaling and we're staying really true to the culture and the things that he really believed. Let, let's pause for just a second because I want—I don't want to miss what you said in a couple different ways. And I wrote it like this. When you're really clear on who you are, it's easier, not easy, but it's easier to do the right thing. That's what I hear in this story is the foundation to everything that's been built. And it doesn't mean that headwinds aren't going to come. They probably will come even heavier than otherwise when you're not clear on who you are. Because when you're really clear on who you are, your beliefs, your values, maybe it's that CVS moment that we talked about recently on a, mm-hmm. on a show, right? Like when you're really clear on who you are, it makes the, the choice is not easy, but very clear on what I have to do. I, no question. I got a question, Peter. You know, you said you came in, you were 400 million this year, you grew 600 million. Why? Well, 400 million. Yeah, no, 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 I know that. I'm not asking that. I'm, I'm saying like why and how, right? So I'm, I'm in this stage, right? I, I did 800,000 my first year. I started this. I didn't know people did artificial grass in their backyard. And then we went from 800 to 3.3 million to 5.3 million. And we may do 10 million this year. We're on track. We're on track to do a little over 10 million. At, at some point you get to a spot and I'm sure you've been in the situation where you think, I don't have the confidence or I have anxiety about growth or everybody's saying we shouldn't grow right now. It's COVID or a million other reasons why you shouldn't do something, whatever, for whatever reason, how did you grow 600 million in a year? Do you think like what, what, 
What was that defining moment that allowed you to say, no, we can do $600 million, and next year we can grow a billion, and it's not a big deal, and here's how we're going to do it? So two things. I just put turf in my backyard, so I understand why your sales are up to 10 million. That is not a cheap. That is not a cheap. I was that's like, all, gosh. That's that, all that was going it, through his it, mind. <laughs> hey, who, who did it? Uh, it's a, it's a, a turf group here in Kansas City. Um but it's one of my dad's friends, but it's like turf master. Um, but this guy's done a fantastic job. It was and, called turf masters. Yes. Okay. And they're fantastic. And so, <laughs> you know, how long have you been in business? This is my fourth year. So I think that the thing to remember, Jack, after 10 years was 600 grand after 20 years, he was eight, 9 million. After 30 years, he's 60 million. After 40 years, it's 400 million. And now it's really gone. Some of it is being patient enough and the numbers are the outcome. But there was a lot of people, I'm sure, when we were 9 million 20 years in, they were laughing at Lockton. Mm-hmm. It were 30, 40, 50 million. And we didn't say, oh, well, we got to go buy something. So we look big. Mm. We just stayed true to who we were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this, our, we believe in organic growth. We believe that it's one handshake at a time with each client and with each person that we're hiring. And we got to take care of the current people and the numbers are what they are. Mm-hmm. I'd love talking about that. We grew 27% this year, but I'd feel no different if we grew 7%, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, the scoreboard turns over right now and we're on to the next year. Mm-hmm. The results are that outcome. But I think if you do things right, right, in our business, the only way you, you, you keep our current clients and do we get new clients, there's no, like, that's our growth. For do sure. We keep our current clients and do we get new clients? And so the growth of that in different geographies and different specialties is putting out a great growth number. But I don't expect it to be a, a straight line to the right. And just like I'm not over trying to act like we're super smart when we're up 27%, if the economy changes and, and the numbers turn the other way, mm. you then don't say, oh, gosh, look how look how bad we are. We, we're not as smart as we thought. Like, we're just going to trust the process. You have to adjust. Yeah, you know, right. Simon Sinek talks about an extensional flexibility. You're going to have to adjust. And Peter, what do you need to do? What, what I see – with that flexibility as well, what I see with you, the one word I wrote down that I think answers Tyler's question is momentum. It, it, you, Powerful. You start talking those numbers and you talk about momentum in almost any um, any piece to the media or anything that you let out to the world. And here's what I wrote down. This is what I thought about with you. What is that momentum? It's the habit habits and the consistent effort. It's the skill increases. And the name and the network grows. It's the comfort level goes up. And so all of a sudden, you're at 600,000 starting off. And then you get to this, this numbers that you really didn't even think were possible. And to me, it's those things. The habit, the consistent effort, the skill increases, the name and network grows, and the comfort level goes up. The reason I ask, Peter, is because, you know, we were sitting down with some of my, you know, top management. We have 30 employees now. And we were talking about numbers like a couple months ago, and they're like, you know, ooh, 700000 a month is a stretch. The next month we had $1.25 million. 
And the guys were like, okay, yeah, that was wild. That won't happen again. Well, we did $1.24 million the next month. And uh, this month, the guys are talking about, do you think we could hit $1.5 million? And it was, you know, they're, and yes, they're talking about outcomes, but the outcomes are coming because of the culture, because of the branding, because of the jobs we're installing, because of the keeping the customers and adding new customers, but, you know, for a bunch of different reasons. But this year, I, di- I didn't really set out and say, oh, we have to grow by 27% this year. We have to grow 30%. It's, I want to create opportunities for more people. For my family and for other people, like you said, growth creates opportunities. So one of the things, I, I worked for a big corporation and had 500 people who worked for me. And when I left, one of the things that I said is, I can't believe all those people hated their job. And I would love to create something where people enjoyed coming to work and didn't call it a job necessarily, where they felt impact and they f- they felt success and they were able to grow and all the, all the things that come with it. But it's just crazy that if you do the right things, the growth and the money stuff will happen. Like it's, it's just unbelievable. We were dreaming about three hundred thousand. What, Kobe? Two years ago, yeah. about three hundred thousand and a quarter, and now we're doing that in a day. Sometime we did like two hundred and seventy-five grand yesterday, and we're we're a small business in Murfreesboro, and it's just it's mind blowing that everything everything we're talking about is coming back full circle. Like, yeah, it's. People are like, what are you doing? I didn't think artificial turf was going to be this. I had two conversations on the golf course this past weekend. Man, I'm seeing your trucks everywhere. I, when you said you were going to do fake grass, I kind of thought you were stupid, if I'm being honest with you. And it's, I can't believe how much y'all are taking off and growing. What are you doing? I, nothing. I'm just taking care of the people and making sure I have the best products and good processes and, and you know, just believing in the people and and pumping it into them, you know. It's just unbelievable the fact that how big you guys are, right? And so but how special it's like how special you feel right here in Nashville and Brentwood and how so many other people with you guys under Peter have that same feeling in so many other areas. And that's exactly mm. what I'm trying to do. Sure. How do I help somebody feel special in Knoxville and Memphis and, and Chattanooga? And then as we continue to grow in different regions, how do I get that same feeling? I think that's what I'm after. Hold I'm on, after what hold you on feel. to the beliefs, the potential, the path away. That's right, Peter. One of the ways it's that funny, we it goes, but that just real quick on that. I think when I started, I said, I think that there's some similar topics, and mine's not going to be as exciting, but there's going to be some similar things that we're all going through. I do believe that it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. That, that if right. your people feel cared for and empowered, or part of it what the product they deliver versus if you have a hundred percent turnover and every six months you have a different team on that field and it's just, you, you, you then can't scale and grow the business. It's two different companies. Yeah. And so the fact that when you just talked about growth and I'm going to create opportunities for you know my family and their families, I just think that's what every leader's doing. I think that there's a big, I think I realized this somewhere along the way, that nobody has it figured out. I kept thinking I was the only person that didn't have it figured out. And that these big, you know, smart CEOs or business leaders, you know, they must, they must, you know, their firm, they must really have it figured out. And no one does. Mm. You know, halfway through my career, a, a guy stopped me and made me do a 360 on myself, becoming more self-aware. Yeah. And it was like, it was bad. <laughs> it was just like things people hadn't said. 
and it wasn't bad like unethical, but it was just bad about just seems more on Peter than us. And I went from pretending it had it figured out, like Pete from corporate's the opposite. Like people know I don't have this great financial acumen. I'm a super smart CFO. I don't need to be everything. Right. And I think if we as leaders become comfortable talking that we don't have it figured out and we're not perfect and we have tons of shit we're trying to learn mm-hmm. make the group around you do the same it makes the firm say the same like lockdown does a lot of things unbelievable and there's a lot of things we need to get better at mm-hmm. and so what are those things and let's keep trying to get better and it and let's not let's not you know be so negative that we're talking about you know this this company is totally you know horrible and let's not fall off the couch patting ourselves on the back let's just let's have gratitude understand who we are and then on the other side be clear that we are we have tons of areas for improvement be able to be okay talking about those personally as a firm and just try and get better you know it's crazy you talk about what you say it makes me think about the chicago bulls back in the day you know, they had Scottie Pippen, they had Dennis Rodman, they had Michael Jordan, and there were so many Bulls fans. I bet the Bulls fans are in half now. And it's this great re- resignation we talked about. These teams have all new players, and they're always shifting the puzzle pieces everywhere. You would think they would kind of learn from some of the past, past to say, if we can continue to build a team and develop the right cultures, we can really own an error. And I think that's what the Bulls did back then. And as I think through my, my – in my senior year of high school, I played baseball, and – we were the number two team in the country, and everybody was like, oh, where did all these kids come from? They all came from Murfreesboro. We played on the same team since we were seven years old. That's why we whooped everybody's ass. It had nothing to do with the fact we brought all these unique superstars in. It was the we, we knew how to win together. And I think so many people missed the boat on that, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Take care of the people. Make them feel wanted and, and, and build a team because without the team, you're nothing. So, Peter, one of the ways we honor the guests as we start to, to land the plane here is we have this segment, as we might call it, the things we think and do not say, which really comes from Jerry Maguire. It's the mission statement he writes. It's not a memo. It's a mission statement at the beginning of the movie. And it kind of sets the premise of the entire movie, one of the greatest of all time. And, Colby, this was your – why don't you tee up yeah. this question? This well, was your – you know, you don't talk about work-life balance – you talk about work-life integration. Your message, this entire, these entire two episodes, is about you show up at work based on what happens in your home, and so. No question. So, and then to extend on that, you talk about the level of caring that you that you want to create. A culture of caring is what you said. Does any of that, when you sit in that position and you sit at the top as the CEO? Uh, is there any part of that, that that makes you feel lonely? Is it lonely when you try to care and put yourself in that vulnerable position? Is there any piece of that that makes you feel lonely? And how do you, if so, how do you handle that? Listen, on that specific issue, it doesn't feel lonely. It feels great. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I hate to say this. I think COVID, not the, the, not the COVID people getting sick, but COVID, brought out whatever you were as a company, more of it showed up. Mm. It's pressure. And so during, pressure during COVID, you'd be, on this, you'd be on this Zoom and someone's kids are running by and the dog's barking and they're wiping packages down and you're trying to serve the client. Mm. And that line between family and work 
blurred even more. You were just a bunch of people. Like people get on the phone and they start the meeting and say, like, how you doing? Differently than you'd been in meetings, That's you know, right. the, for the years before. It's like, okay, are we ready to start? Let's go. Has everyone got the reports done? <laughs> and this, this, you had this look into people's homes and there was no, there was, you're not leaving your home and you're working. There was zero, there was zero line um, separating work and personal. And so I think it actually, if you were a firm that had bad culture or you were a firm that didn't care about the people or you didn't have your things together, I think that showed up. Mm. And, if, it, if, and if you were the opposite, it brought you together. That's why I don't feel lonely on it. I felt That's more cool. connected with people. I felt like we were having different conversations about your mom got it. And how's she doing? And what do you need to do? And someone's like, well, listen, I'm, 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 I'm staying with my mom because she's elderly. So I can't see anyone because I don't want to bring it to her. So I'm down here, but my wife and kids are up at, you know, at our other house. And you're just like, everybody was dealing with some form of that story. Yeah. So I think it brought us together. Very cool. Last thing we're going to do here before we land the plane is uh, we honor our guests. We ask them to pull out their playlist so we can peek in one final level of vulnerability into the top five songs. And you better not have manipulated this in any way. We want to know what are the top five songs on your playlist. So I listen to music all different, all different ways. Um, but I do, but these are, these are um, the five as it comes, and they're for they're for different they're from different reasons. First, this is going to say first <laughs> still, still first number one is the Super Bowl halftime show, which we did at our meeting. We had a that's a great video, video where we went through there, but it was still Dre by Dr. Dre, but Dre, Snoop, and Eminem, and greatest that, of all time. That halftime show was fantastic. And so I'm going to just count that as one. <laughs> we went to the Morgan Whalen, Whalen concert last week and me and my wife. Um, and so for the, for the weeks before we're listening to it, nonstop, all those songs ran up because can more than my hometown was what jumped out at that. There you go. Um, How to save a life by the fray. Mm. I've had a lot of friends with addiction issues and that song always talked to me and I listened to it a lot. Um, Beautiful day by you too. I called it teenage wasteland by the who mm. incorrectly all the years, but Bob O'Reilly. Yes. Um, and then our, and then our first song that I danced at when you say nothing at all by Allison Krauss was what me and my wife danced to it. But those are the, those are the, it's, it's probably at the, at the top right now with the Morgan Whalen and the, the Super Bowl halftime, because we just made a kind of a, a video takeoff of that. But those are my, I'm those sure. are my five or six. Just peering into Those the life. Those are fantastic. Great songs, Peter by the Flynn. way. Little, you can't go wrong with the Who and little little uh, no. Bob O'Reilly, Teenage Wasteland. So that, that takes you way back to the good old days of the 1980s, cutting grass in the summer. That's for sure. <laughs> Here, absolutely, absolutely. Peter, we appreciate you being time to be, being with us in studio today. You know, the the, the thing when I think about your caring culture, uh, here's what I take away: I, this one simple idea for you: if you care, if you try. If you learn, you can stay. Pete from corporate. Pete from corporate. What a, <laughs> what a great opportunity that you've created, not only for yourself, but for all those around you. And for yeah. Tyler, 
And for John and for Peter from Locked and Peter from Corporate, I'm Colby Jubenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Um.